Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome to uh, the podcast. We have the opportunity to hear from Lynn Nielsen. Um, Lynn, I first met you, I was really young. <laughs> I don't even know how old I was. I got, I was 20, 20 something probably. Anyways, yeah. and I got to spend some time at your beautiful home and work with your community there. So if you've been involved with Lemmy for a while, um, so I, just, I was, it was a while ago that, <laughs> so could you, um, take some time and introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like how'd you start homeschooling and, and how you found, um, leadership education? Sure. Yeah. So when my youngest, I mean, excuse me, my oldest was a baby. Um, we had some friends that had a baby that was, they were just like six weeks apart. So we were just instantly bonded. We we're like, Oh, we're in this baby thing together. We both had girls and we became friends and we would do things together and talk about our babies and all of that stuff. And the the dad of this couple, his siblings were attending something that back in the day that was called the Benjamin Franklin Academy. And it was kind of an alternative private school, sort of hybrid homeschooling thing. And what they did is they went to school Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from nine to one. And then they would come home and they would, they would, learn lessons and they would have time to go home and study and have do their homework and that kind of thing but they were saying that there's a lot of time that's wasted in public schools you know and they don't need that much time in the school they just need more time to study and so I was like huh this is a very interesting idea <laughs> but I thought back to my high school years where I I thought you know we go to school for seven hours a day and then they expect us to go home and do an hour of homework for every hour we're in class. And so, you know, what in the world, like, how does that equate? That doesn't quite work out. And then what if you do any sports or like I took piano lessons or anything like that? I took dance classes. You just did not have enough time in the day to do everything. And I thought, this is ridiculous. You know, even people who have a full-time job, they might have work to do at home, but they're only expected to do 40 hours a week, whereas we are expected to do a lot more. So at the time, one of my friends, she got a practice hour. She was really gifted at the piano. And so she, so they they told her that she did, she could take one less class and she could go home and practice the piano. And I thought, that's great. School should really be shorter. So anyway, so all this was really resonating with me. And right around that time, we started a business, my husband and I, and they were encouraging people to be entrepreneurial minded and to become entrepreneurs, to think more globally, to think more independently and they talked a lot about our country and how the economic system worked when it was founded and how far we'd strayed. 
and they really encouraged homeschooling. And so they recommended a couple of books. One of them was Government Nannies by Kathy Duffy. And another one was Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. And I read those books and I was like, whoa, my mind is open. <laughs> so I became open to this idea of homeschooling. And through the <clears throat> conversations with our friends and these books and all this sort of thing, I came to realize that homeschooling would allow me to instill certain values and characteristics that I hoped my children would have as adults because I would have more influence and time with them. I also was excited about the thought that hopefully I could have a better relationship with them because we could work through things as they came up rather than oh, we had this argument about this thing and then you have to go off to school. <laughs> so, But we can't talk about it because after school, you're going to run cross country and then you're going to work and then you'll be home late and you'll be tired and grumpy. And so we can't talk about this thing for days. Anyway, I hoped that they would have better relationships with their, with their siblings and be best friends. Um, I hoped that they would also see like how a house runs and be contributing people to that house and not just have what I always told them a mommy maid. I'm not the mommy maid. You know, I, <laughs> that's not my total role in some, you guys help make the mess. You know, we all dirty the house. We all use the dishes. We all eat food. We should all contribute to cooking and to cleaning and to doing laundry and all of these things. And so I, I thought homeschooling, it's more natural. It's more of an authentic environment than this artificial environment where they're taken and placed in a school with, as Gatto talks about, with all the siblings, or not siblings, the people, the peers of the same age, and they're all learning the same thing. It's the conveyor belt, right? And so I liked that thought. I also liked the thought that um, they could be more emotionally aware of themselves and what was going on. They could spend more time on their passions or gifts. They could go faster or slower, depending on their aptitudes in certain subject matters. Um, and one of my biggest things was that I hoped that I could create a more respectful environment of their spiritual side. Um, that we are not just physical beings. We have a soul or a spirit as well. And in my religious beliefs, I believed in God, I'm a Christian, and I wanted them to have more of a foundation in that. I wanted to be able to start with that. Like first things first, like Covey talks about, I wanted to start with the spiritual things and put those most important things in first, and then the other things can fill in around it. So that's kind of how I came to want to homeschool. So I started homeschooling and then I'm going to get to how I came to Lemmy, hopefully a little faster, <laughs> but um, 
So when I, my oldest was four, I was like, wow, I'm just going to prove myself to the world. She's going to be the smartest person ever. I'm going to teach her to read and she's going to wow everyone. And so I started teaching her how to read. And you know what? I taught her to read when she was four and it was kind of hard. <laughs> it can be done, but it was kind of hard. Now I look back and I'm like, she wasn't ready. It can be done, but she wasn't ready, <laughs> but oh well. So then at church, someone, when she learned I was homeschooling, she's like, oh, I know these families, they, they get together and they do like PE together and they like socialize and play games and stuff. Do you want to, do you want to do stuff with them? She wasn't doing stuff with them, but she knew about them. And I was like, Sure. So we started doing that once a week, we would do that. And then one of the moms in the group, as her daughter started to get older, she was like, you know, I want to do something more. I don't want to just do PE and play games. <laughs> She's like, I really want to do something more. She's like, I heard about this thing. It's called Thomas Jefferson Education. And she showed me the book, the first edition. <laughs> she went to a conference and she's like, I really want to do... Thomas Jefferson education with our group. So like we can like read a book with our kids and then we can have activities at, at when we get together relating to the book. We can talk about the book a little bit and stuff like that. And then she also post hosted some face-to-face -face with greatness seminars. So I came in contact with George with college and some of the people there and my eyes were starting to be opened. Anyway, so her, this, this woman, her name's Tiffany Fox. Um, I owe a lot to her. I'm very grateful for her. Um, but she, she, her daughter continued to get older. Her, her oldest daughter was 18 months older than mine. And then she comes back after going to a conference in the summer and she's like, Hey, so we're going to do this different thing. <laughs> she's like, you know, she, she described it that she met some other people in the area and that they were going to do something that seemed like a private school to me. You know, they were going to like meet together for classes and they were going to have this curriculum and da, da, da. And I was like, what? That's not, that's not Thomas Jefferson education. That's not leadership education. What are you doing? Like you've been duped. You're giving your freedom and your power away to some other private school to teach your kids and what in the world? <laughs> so, so little did I know it was leadership education, mentoring institute, Lemmy classes. And, and, but I was like, okay, you do that thing. I'll just see how it goes. You're probably going to change your mind next year. <laughs> but in the spring, she's like, hey, Lynn, um, we have this class and I would really love for you to come and visit and just listen in on the class and what they're doing. And, and, uh, and, and I think you might like it. And anyway, I don't know how she sold me on it, but I came and I listened to the Key of Liberty class. It was Julie Waddell teaching, and she was teaching about Amendment 8, Cruel and Unusual Punishments. And as I listened to that class, I was like, oh, I so want this for my kids. 
I want to have this for my kids. I want my kids to understand this. I want them to understand the idea of our country and the sacrifices that were made and the freedom that we have and we enjoy that many times they don't even understand because they're living in the water. <laughs> they're living in the water so they don't understand the freedoms that they have and what they could lose. And so this idea of the duty to the vision, to, to God, to country, to community, to freedom. And I was sold. So that summer, I went to Lemmy training and I took Key of Liberty training and Tatiana taught me. And I will tell you, it was a life transformational event. Honestly, I can still remember the feeling in the room as Tati told, taught us the very last bit of Key of Liberty before we were going to go back to the group training piece. And she was casting vision and she was inviting us to think about the world and the world was dark. And then there's one light that goes on and then another and another and another. And she just talked about her thought of these lights being Commonwealth schools, being schools that were offering money projects and that this was a way to save freedom. And it was phenomenal. So the next year, my daughter went, drove an hour to this other school that Tiffany and Julie were involved in. And two other um, youth from our community would go. We would drive them in an hour to go take Shakespeare. And then we'd go back. And all the while kind of setting the stage for this once a week group that had been meeting, but that had grown. It was now around 12 to 14 families. And we were like, okay, this is the next step for us. And so the next year we did, well, actually in December, we proposed the idea of starting a Commonwealth school and offering Key of Liberty and Shakespeare the next year. And that's how we got started. That's awesome. I don't remember how old I was when you first came to training. Was, was that before my mission or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you were 19. Pretty, I was 19. Okay. <laughs> That's, I don't ever, I don't even remember saying that. It's like, it's, it's so funny. It's people are like, oh yeah, you said this one. So like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't remember that. <laughs> well, no need to apologize for that because it was very transformational. That's 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 good to hear that it that you were it was good and transformational for you, and it's so it's interesting to think about though because like you know so I'm thirty six so if we do the math that's seventeen years ago, and um like I think you could start to see that that's really happening like I know like if you look at the world as like no we don't really have anyone that's leading or doing things. <laughs> <laughs> but like I think I think that leadership in my opinion as I gotten older and I told my I, when I was pregnant with my fourth child and I told my mom I was like 
this sucks. You taught you you like raised me to be this leader and I'm not and I'm just sitting here throwing up and like life sucks and I'm not doing anything that I was like I had such great promise and hope in my 20s and my mom was like what are you talking about? You are in the trenches of life. You are in the trenches of life right now and this is what it looks like right now. It looks like throwing up and cleaning up poop and doing those things and raising your kids and that's the trenches and he's like and, and you can't like judge your success in life on the trenches. She's like I was doing nothing when I was your age at 20 something when I was pregnant or 30 and I was like oh you're right you're right yeah I mean I'm in the trenches. So you can't really necessarily see the effect of Key of Liberty because I would be the oldest kid maybe a couple kids older than me Mm -hmm. uh you know in our early 30s but you can see i think you know you will start seeing that there's stronger f families or stronger desire to you know to to go against the norm or or to stand up for what's right and to raise your kids well and and mm -hmm. so and we're in the trenches still but i i still have a lot of hope because i think you build that strong foundation and even if like i would be the first to admit like i was looking at a picture of all my friends from commonwealth and i was like wow a lot of us have gone crazy off the path. Not that there's like a set path in life that everyone has to go on. I'm not saying that. But it definitely is like, I think there's one that's going to make you a lot happier at 75 than other <laughs> paths. Does that make sense? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. So I have definitely some some peers that have made choices. I'm like, is that going to make you happy at 80? I don't know. I'm I'm just saying that just, uh, from my experience, I don't know. But um. As, but I do still think that there's still like a lot of people, a lot of kids have come out of Give Liberty and other classes that are their feet are on the ground. They're they're ready to combat the world, and they 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 have a good head on their shoulders. So, yeah. yeah. And I will say, you know, of course, there were other projects that have really formed my whole thought process on how to see this because when I first came to leadership education and specifically Lemmy I just was like oh man we cannot change this world unless unless we get people in government unless we get people in these high positions and that sort of thing and and it was kind of it felt a little hopeless because who am I like I'm probably not going to be elected to a national public office. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I haven't led that kind of career that has laid the path for that. So probably not. However, a lot of things have formulated my thinking in a different way, because when you look at um, TJ, well, what was TJYC? It's now Quest. I was listening to some podcasts earlier and that just came out of my mouth, <laughs> TJYC. But anyway, um, when you look at Quest and we talk about um, the power structure in America, one of the things that really struck me is that the power elite, and I realize that there's different um, influence now with um, online influence as well. Nonetheless, the power elite look at making generational changes. Whereas the masses, they want it right now, like change right now. And even the intelligentsia, they're like, we want it to change in 10 or 20 years. But if you look at generational change, and if you're patient, like that's exactly what you're talking about, Tatiana. 
what's it going to create at age 80? And what's it going to create in the children and in their grandchildren? Because, you know, Stephen Covey talks about your circle of influence, of course, and you have to work in your circle of influence. And yet that circle of influence is powerful. Um, one of my favorite poems, well, I have two that I love. Um, one is called uh, The Two Temples. And maybe if we have time, I can read it for you. Um, the other is the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And that is true. You know, uh, um, I owe all that I am to my angel mother is what Lincoln said. You know, so those those diaper changes, <laughs> those, those being sick through pregnancy, that is that is the thing. Um, something that really impacted me was, um, the Thomas Jefferson education for teens that Oliver Donnell and Shannon Brooks wrote. And when they talk about that, your most important day of your life will come on the hardest day of your marriage and the choices you have to make, whatever those choices are. And the hardest day, the most important day of your life will not necessarily be your wedding day or a big win that's in public eye, but it's that day that you take the time to read to your child. And I really believe that is the truth. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting because like, I think we just did a podcast with um, Adele and Milne and probably by the time this is, will hit, they'll have the access to that. But it was it was mind blowing for me to I mean <laughs> it's my mom so like you'd think I'd know a lot of what she knows but I really don't. <laughs> Anyways, she was she was talking about this concept of uh, perennial education and 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 um, versus like she has goes through all these different things. But one of the things she talked about with perennial education is just the role in which the parent plays in the education of the child, and how that creates a lot of stability. And then like to juxtapose it against other different types of education and last being existentialist education in which the person in charge is the not a person it's the institution and um it was it was very interesting for me to realize like when when the institution is the one that directs things it does cause a lot of insanity because there's not that like we we've taken out that emotional relationship with the parent and the child to to regulate to coach to teach you know and like we we've we've like farmed it out to to an institution and now we're getting the back result of just people who can't function right <laughs> like that's like it's over and over everywhere and it was so interesting though because um we were doing school today and um let's see we were reading oh we're reading my my daughter was reading to me um mr fox by they really love Ronald Dahl. I don't know if you like the Ronald Dahl, but yeah. he's hilarious and they love to read him, even though she's not the best reader, but she was reading Mr. Fox and he gets his tail shot off and she's like, and he's like, there, he's, there's a conversation with Mr. Fox and his kids and there's kids is like, it's okay, daddy, you'll grow back a tail. And he's like, oh, never grow back a tail. And she's like, oh my gosh, mom, he's awfulizing. 
that is not healthy behavior. <laughs> it was just like, it was just going to sit there and be like, well, what's the difference between recognizing the reality of the situation you're in and then awfulizing? Let's talk about that, you know? So like, it, it's interesting because if if you do allow the classics and the, the different things, like I can use my role to help my child at, at 10 start being able to recognize thinking patterns that lead to men, emotional and emotional health, right? Mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, you know, you're not going to have that conversation with the teacher or in an institution, right? That's not going to happen, right? Because she's like being vulnerable with me. And we had a great conversation about, you know, awfulizing versus the reality of the situation, you know, versus like how you perceive what happens to you and the choices you make after it. And all from this ridiculously silly book. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. I love that. And especially because, you know, emotional intelligence or emotional health is probably what they would have said years ago was character yeah right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well I know that for me uh the community that I raised my kids in and that I helped to create really was very impactful on our family and it's I know that you created you created two different communities, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the communities and and how they impacted your family and and what it was like to be part of creating those? Wow. It's like any hard work. It's the hardest thing and it's the most rewarding at the same time. You know, some of the times where you're just like, I am just going to quit and run away because this is too hard. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to put my kids in school and we're going to go and get my nails done instead. (laughs) Um, One of my good friends, well, Julie Waddell, I've already mentioned her. We used to often laugh about that when we were teaching Quest. We'd be like, yeah, it'd be a lot easier to send our kids to school on the first day and go to lunch with our friends and then go get our fingernails done. (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, it, it, it was hard work and yet starting a community is its own adult scholar project. It totally is. And it is uh, an item that will teach you growth and leadership like nothing else. You know, the reading classics is fantastic and it, they are a fantastic way to learn to become a leader in real life. <laughs> that's what starting a community, community is. It's hard because you get a lot of independently minded homeschooling parents who are renegades. I mean, they are mavericks. They want to do things their own way. And sometimes it's hard to surrender some of your sovereignty to the community because it's for your better good. And sometimes it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to follow this person as my leader rather than try to take over as the leader. <laughs> um, and that happened. <laughs> and so, um, and, and it's amazing because some of the best followers ever are people who've been leaders. I mean, I will tell you off 
from the bottom of my heart, some of my best followers in starting those communities started their own communities. And so um, they were just so grateful to have something. So we're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. Is there something more specifically that you'd like me to talk about, Heidi? <laughs> no, I just know that with Lemmy, we are supporting communities and it really, I definitely have dealt with that whole thing of, of having all of these, you know, basically homeschool parents have to be control freaks. I mean, I, I think at their core, every homeschool parent has to be, have a little bit of control freak in them and getting them all together to work together to participate in a community, especially a leadership education-based community can be a challenge. And the fact that you were able to do that um, is, I mean, it, it it just is a testament to your leadership skills because <laughs> it's, I know, I mean, I've done, I've been through it as well. I know Tati is doing, you know, is, is building a computer uh, community now. So, and so many people out there, they love what they hear about leadership education, about these communities, but they can be scared of doing it. Um, but the fact that it's a way for the adults to get that leadership experience, that leadership education themselves and be that example um, is amazing. I know we, Tati and I did an interview with your son, Sterling, which I'll be sure in, and, uh, you know, link his, his podcast on your show notes. Um, but it was, he was just amazing. I mean, he is, oh my gosh, he was, it was so much fun talking to him and how much he appreciated the community and how much it blessed him and his friends and, and everything. I just thought that was great. Um, one thing I do want to talk to you because we're already running out of time. <laughs> um, um, before we end, I really want you to talk about what your community has done for the younger kids. Because as, you know, let me, we, we talk about the scholar age kids, but in order for our communities to grow and thrive, we need to have some plans for our younger kids. And if we don't, we, if we don't have a place for the younger kids, then we don't have the mentors for the scholar age kids. So uh, I know your communities have done some amazing things with your love of learners. And can you share what, what you've done? Sure. <clears throat> so um, it, a love of learning is, Rachel and Oliver talk about in their um, phases of learning book, that love of learning phase is the hardest phase to do. And in retrospect, I will agree. <laughs> I thought I was doing it right. And, and I sure I did things right, but, um, but it is uh, harder to do and easier to do at the same time. It's funny. It's this, it's this juxtaposition 
But I think that the reason that it's, that we feel like it's hard to do is because we don't want to stop and take the time <laughs> to spend with our kids on the things they want to do and to share our genius on what we love. We want to do the things that the conveyor belt says we should do. <laughs> At this age, we should be learning multiplication tables and da 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 da. However, um, so what we've done is we have invited the moms to look at what they really love to do and then to think of how to teach that to the love of learners. And we've gotten some really great things <laughs> because they're teaching what they're passionate about. Like one mom <clears throat> loves to cook. She loves to cook Thai food specifically because her mom owned a Thai restaurant. And so she is a phenomenal cook and makes the best Thai food and she loves to feed people. So she taught these kids how to make fresh rolls, which are this great Thai food, you know, with peanut sauce and, and, uh, and other things like that. So that was really great for her. Um, another mom loved to do origami. <laughs> so, so she taught the kids to do origami and they worked on that. Another mom loved to do, she taught um, some, uh, is it rumba classes? Am I mixing this up with the time style dance? <laughs> I can't yeah, remember. Rumba is it, rumba is a dance, like it's kind of like the samba. But oh yeah, it's Zumba classes. Zumba. 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 Classes. Yes. So she liked to teach Zumba classes. So she taught the kids Zumba classes. Another mom loved to, um, like she was really passionate about exercise and diet, eating well and things like that. So she taught the kids, you know, like what's a good, a good way to know if you're eating enough good food. She got out the plate and they were supposed to go home and have half their plate be fruits and vegetables. <laughs> this much of the plate be protein and this much be complex carbohydrates. And, and boy, those kids were just like, mom, I got to have my half my plate be fruits and vegetables. How cool is that? They go home and they want to eat fruits and vegetables. So, and then she did a little, you know, exercise competition and one mom, sometimes you can look at what you think the kids might enjoy learning. So, so like I taught a love of learning class and I taught them about the kids wanted to learn about astronomy and I thought it was really cool. So one week we talked about the um, planets and then one week we talked and we divide our classes into, we have two 15 week long semesters so we divide the classes into five-week um, sections. So a mom will be in charge of a five-week class and planning that. Um, and a lot of this can be um, modeled and learned from a book by Amy Edwards called For the Love of Learning, Giving Your Children a Lollipop Education. She references the Thomas Jefferson education and the phases of learning and all that kind of thing. And it's it's really a great reference book. In the back of it, she talks about um, 
um, ways to design what she calls a project, a level learning project. But um, anyway, so back to my astronomy <laughs> project. Am I saying that right? Is this astronomy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not astrology, right? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. We, we don't, we aren't teaching astrology, you're teaching astronomy. Yes. <laughs> We're going to teach you how to read palms. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so we did the, the solar system. We did all the planets, like we did the inner planets one week, and then we did the outer planets one week. And then we, I actually figured out how far apart the planets were and had the kids pace themselves outside. Like we had them hold the planet and then they pace themselves of, of how far apart they were. And, you know, those first inner planets, they're like a step apart. <laughs> those outer planets, we didn't even have enough space to show how far apart they were. And so that was really cool for them to understand that. And then we had them paint a planet. They each were in charge of painting a planet, like a styrofoam planet. <laughs> and... Um, Anyway, we watched some YouTube videos and just things like that brought in various elements. So we did the planets, we did the moon one week, and we did this experiment with an orange being the moon and then a light. And this, so they went around the moon and then the earth, they held up a ball that was the earth. Anyway, <laughs> they went around the sun, the, the, the earth and the sun the light stayed in the same place. And so we showed how the phases worked of the moon. That was really cool. We talked about the sun one week. So that's how you can fill up your week, weeks with a love of learning project like that. Um, had moms do nature studies. Uh, Charlotte Mason's work talks about a lot of nature studies kinds of things. So that, you know, if you start with what you love, and you also start with what they might be interested in. And it's really easy to come up with at least, you know, <laughs> it's relatively easy. You, yeah. you come up with these ideas that kind of spur things along. So I really love what you said at the beginning. It's like, it's the hardest, but the easiest, like when you figure it out. And I think it, it, like, as you said that it was just got me thinking like why is it so hard like why do we struggle so much and I think it's this idea is that I think the ultimate goal is that the child walks away knowing that learning has great value and that it's worth pursuing other over entertainment or pleasure or other things available to the child right you know so like somehow after my child as they move into scholar phase, they need to know that loving brings great, or learning brings great pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. And they need to have experienced that and they need to have the opportunity to, to do that. So if that's the goal, like it's so hard because it's like, how do you, how do you create a curriculum that teaches an intrinsic value? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and so I, like the, the thought that came across my mind is like, there's so many other things that you, can do in the home to create that environment but I really think the biggest thing is just the paradigm shift so the paradigm shift of let's just show them that learning by that love the, the, 
by doing what I love and showing how much engagement and fun I have in the pursuit of knowledge, and, you know, mm -hmm. by modeling that. So I really love how you're almost like, what do you guys love doing? And let's share that. Like, and it's hard though, because then the parents are like, yeah, but then they're not getting the, you know, the things they're supposed to know. And it's like, yeah, okay. But then like me and my husband have been talking about this. Like, is it a good thing that my nine-year-old has read the Harry Potter season series over the last two months four times like is that a good thing that we've allowed her to do that only because she like listens to it on double speed so it's, you know. <laughs> and then and I'm like I don't know because she went from like first grade reading to now she wants to read the Harry Potter series so now she's reading Harry Potter and because she found out how much joy she can get from reading and then as she reads it out loud to me she's like mom look at these words that she used to describe this what's happening here isn't that so creative and fun like so yeah you know we can debate whether harry potter is a good thing or not we don't have to have the debate right now but the fact that she's got so passionate about it now she's willing to push through all of the pain of learning how to read because she wants it right you know <laughs> and so it's like when we first were like got him onto Harry Potter, my husband and I were like, was this a good idea? I don't know. What did we create? <laughs> and now we're like seeing, oh, she loves learning and it's transferring to other parts of her life and and it, and it's and it's working. But it it it's a hard, like you said, it's like you feel like I almost feel like half the like all my kids are in love learning except for my my boys are in core. But I most of the time feel like I don't know what I'm doing and if it's working. <laughs> you know, that's what I feel like, and I don't know if that's like the right. If that's how you felt. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I, I love that the fact of the, the name of the phase really says what it is. If they can <clears throat> come out of that phase and they love learning. And also one of the things that Amy Edwards talks about, which I thoroughly agree with is that they can have confidence that they can learn anything and what they want to learn is just as important as whatever anyone else wants them to learn. And sometimes more. Yeah. One of the things, though, that I feel is, has, is just really impactful, especially in a, in a community, is that we have these parents that are not sure about how to do this. They aren't sure, you know, it totally scares them to death to have to actually mentor a a scholar project mm -hmm. and when you are saying okay we want you to come and mentor these younger kids and mm -hmm. we want you to share what you love what mm -hmm. you are excited about it kind of guides them through their love of learning stage mm -hmm. because let's face it most of us it's like Nope, you have to check up all the boxes. You know, I don't care if you don't want to learn about this. You have to check it off. You, you know, you're forced to do all of this stuff. And this is a way for them to be exposed to that. And I don't know about you, Lynn, but I found that it usually took just a couple years in love of learning, you know, one or two years in love of learning. And then it's like, okay, the light bulb went off and parents were ready to like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. I got my love of learning. I want to, I'm excited to go to this training. I'm excited to learn something more and I'm ready for my scholar phase. And so that's when they could join in and be a mentor. D did you find that? Yes. So true. I have seen that. I've witnessed it time and time and time again, 
in moms where they come to it and they do come to it with many times, like, I don't want to, I don't want to figure it out. It's too hard. I can't figure it out for a love of learning project. And yet, you know, that's part of the process. It truly is. If we just give them a curriculum and say, here, teach this, then we're just giving them conveyor belt again. Like we're not allowing them to go through the pain of learning. Oh, I love that you just said that. (laughs) It's like my biggest pet peeve. It's like, okay, you're right. Yes, I could do this. I could write like all these love of learning programs and they could be cool and awesome. But so could you, like, especially if it's just five weeks, just like, okay. And then the thing that I love about this, because I'm going through this process of that right now, I'm like, each time I get to teach a class or a project, I can be like, that didn't work. That was dumb. I don't think that was not effective. And then I get to be like, okay, let's try this method. Oh, that worked. Let's, okay, this is working. Okay, so then how can I make this better? You know, and I'm growing so much in my mentoring skills and my, you know, in my creation of of projects. Like I am really growing. Mm-hmm. And so like, I love that you said that because yes, you could definitely get a curriculum and yes, it would be easier. And yes, you could just show up 20 minutes before class and teach it. But you're missing out on so much of the growth and the love that comes from that. Mm-hmm. So think of what that teaches your children. Like when they see you struggle and go through the struggle and the work and you're like, oh, but this was so worth it. I loved it so much. Like when I taught that astronomy class last year, I was like, this is so fun. I think I was having the most fun of any of the kids. <laughs> yeah. But then it also like, it's, it's so cool. Cause I don't remember a lot of what my mentors said. I don't think I could remember a single lecture, but I definitely remember how passionate if they were passionate about what they were teaching and they really loved it. Then I remembered it. Like, yeah. and that I'd still remember that, you know, 20 years later, still remember that. And so like, I think that, yeah, like if we, if, if we, even if, if you just get a curriculum and you don't have a lot of passion about it, I'm not saying you can't start with something, you know, but you, if you own it, then it's mm-hmm. so much more powerful because the kid's are like, wait, you like this stuff? How come you're so like giddy and excited about the moon? And, you know, it's like, fuck, is it so cool to know how, you know, like it works like, and, and they, and they transfers that excitement. Yes. Well, it's like, I told the kids, I was like, I can't ever remember how this works. So I'm really excited because I'm going to remember this time. <laughs> and, and it goes back to the principle of leadership education that all education is self-education. Now, that being said, I do believe there's a huge amount of uh, um, profitability in having a structure and a format. So like for our core classes, we might say like, have some gathering activity and then, you know, read a story and maybe it has a theme. We're going to talk about clouds this week, or I don't know what, (laughs) and, or a character trait that like honesty, because that's core phase, that's core phase appropriate. Like we're learning right and wrong, good and bad, true and false. This is core phase, right? So we're going to read a story and then we're going to do some, we're going to go outside and play gross motor, you know, then we're going to come back inside and make a craft about something. And then we're going to um, do some songs. 
you know, having that structure where you can plug it in and be like, okay, we're going to talk about this this week. Um, and same thing with the with the love learning classes, that if they're changing what they're doing every 15 minutes or so, and there's not a lot of teacher talk, should not be a lot of teacher talk, not a lot of lecture, but they're hands-on involved, involved. And so I think that there's a huge amount of, of benefit to having a structure, figuring out a structure, and then plugging in the, the subject matter that you're interested in, that the kids are interested in. In the past, we've even done surveys of the kids. Like we put up a whole bunch of topics, like which ones do you want to learn about? And they'll tell us our their top five or whatever. And we're like, okay, we got it. We got it. We know what to do. That's awesome. So much good stuff here, I think will really help a lot of our communities who are just starting and trying to get their younger programs working. Yeah, I think I think another thing that is so amazing about this like structure that you're talking about is that all of our kids can get exposed to other people's ex excitement about something. I mean, like my mom is going to our community and sharing her passion, her love for American Girl dolls, the historical ones. Yeah. She I, <laughs> she's been involved in. Um, our homeschool community the whole time and the fact that I have five boys I was she lives near me and she loves these dolls and they had absolutely no interest but she could go and take I mean she has almost every single one of these uh, the historical dolls and almost every single thing that goes with them wow. and so she just goes you know a, a few times a month and she goes and she shares a doll and she brings her things and they talk about it and they talk about the history of the doll what was going on and the girls bring their dolls and they play and it's just I, I love it it's it's not something that has to be even one of the parents it pull in those grandparents get that I mean this is the legacy that my mom is trying to leave is she's sharing this love and this passion she has for American history and how women, even though, you know, in history, there isn't as much about the women that they had, they were impactful in history. And I just, I, I'm just so proud of my mom for doing that. And I'm so grateful that she does share that love with, with all of these girls. So, yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. It's it, it goes to show that no matter what you're passionate about, you can, you will learn things about it. And that beauty of other people bringing their gifts and interest and genius and your child gets to benefit from that rather or other children, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if it's not your own child, but that they get to benefit from that. So it's not just about you know, if they just had one certain teacher all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Broader. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Well, we didn't even talk about this, but you are a Lemmy trainer. How long have you been a Lemmy trainer? Uh, six years. Six years. Awesome. Well, um, I know, I mean, we're, it's going to be 
let me training again <laughs> sooner than we think. So um, I'm excited for people to have you as a trainer and, and you're going to be, uh, you've been doing quest one and two and uh, going to also be doing quest three and key of Liberty as well. So I know people will look forward to having you as their trainer um, in the future. So thank you it. so much. Yeah, I love teaching Quest. I love teaching it to youth. I love teaching it to adults who are going to be mentoring it. And and it's, yeah, it's just one of my loves. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks for your time today. I know we're kind of close to our end here. One question we like to ask is this podcast is called Lemmy Works. Mm -hmm. So what, how do you feel like Lemmy has worked for you and your family and your community? Well, Lemmy has changed me for sure in the things that I have studied and learned and the way I've been able to problem solve in my life because of this concept of going to classics, going to seek mentors. And some of the things that I have learned have brought me more happiness and joy than I think I would have been exposed to otherwise. Um, so it's just, it's really difficult to describe the change that it has brought to me in my life. Um, I, I've obviously taught my children and it would take quite a while to expand upon all of the ways that it has influenced their lives for good, but, um, but it, it, it does work. It does work. And it just makes you a happier person. I have a good friend and she decided to go back to get a master's degree and we were teaching a love of learning class together and we were going on a field trip and I asked her, um, uh, and I don't tell you this story to brag because I was really taken, taken off guard when she said this, but I asked her, I said, why do you want to go back and get your master's degree in this thing? And she said to me, she said, <clears throat> well, because I think that I will come to learn and know things like you know them because you've studied them but I will have a formal class to teach me some of these things and I was I was dumbfounded I had no idea that that's how she looked at me and like I said I don't say that to brag but that's how she had seen that leadership education had worked in my life and so it was a real blessing to realize that, wow, this has changed me. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love Lemmy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this, you can do hard things.